Hello and welcome to the I Did You Can podcast. This is the podcast that asks people to tell us about their lives now, their life at 14 and what's gone on in between. Today we're joined by David Dyke. David, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And it's great to have you uh, on the podcast. Thanks for, for sparing some time. This is going to be a really good story, I know. Looking forward to it. So tell the listeners what you do now. What is your role? Yeah, so currently um, I've recently started a job as programme director for uh, the Economic Research Council, which is just a small economic think tank, really. And whereabouts are you based? So today I'm working from home. I work from home on a Thursday and a Friday. Um, but between Mondays and Wednesdays, I am based in Piccadilly. So just across the road from Fortnum and Mason, if, if you're familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can picture it. So there you are. That's where you work from Monday to Wednesday. And you're working from home. And whereabouts is home? Home is in Southfields. Um, a lot of people don't actually know where that is. But it's just between Wandsworth and uh, Wimbledon. Actually, if... Just over the houses outside that window, I can see the um, centre court. So that's kind of where we are. Oh, well, that's useful for our uh, overseas listeners. Oh, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure that'll, uh, that'll be very helpful to them. So uh, on, the, on a clear day, you can hear the crowds cheering for Novak Djokovic, can you? Yeah, yeah. And at the final, particularly, well, where we were previously, which is slightly further away, but just about half a kilometre up the road on the final, you could hear the crowd, the crowd cheer before you saw it on the TV. Which was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, exciting. So there you are. And, and what sort of things do you do in your leisure time? Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm a big football fan. Uh, I was brought up in Hackney, uh, so naturally my team is Arsenal. Uh, when well, you say, say that naturally, you, you live in London. I thought you were going to say naturally, teams, my team's Manchester United. Arsenal, <laughs> <laughs> support Arsenal, yeah. Yeah, support Arsenal. Um, try to get down there when I can, but obviously living down in Wimbledon, it's a bit trickier. Uh, so more recently, actually, I've had the delights of going down to uh, to Plough Lane with my daughter recently. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting. So you've got a daughter. Yes. Talk yeah, to yeah. us a little bit about about your family. Yeah, so um, I'm married, got married this year actually in um, in August and we've got a daughter who's three and a half years old and actually another one on the way that's due in about a month's time. Oh good, yeah okay, so so life's taken on a different form to what it was three and a half years ago for sure. <laughs> um, okay, well, that, well that's, uh, tell us a little bit about the job that you do then, because, because we hear about think tanks. What happens in a think tank? Yeah, it's it's a very vague, uh, a vague term, really. Not many people know what actually happens. But in general, it's an organisation that exists to conduct research on a particular policy area, and then kind of create outcomes, whether that's policy briefs. Essentially, it's just trying to inform that policy discussion, really. And where? So when you're informing the pol informing who, informing the media or, or who, who are you passing the information on to? That's a good question, actually, because it's it kind of depends on what type of think tank you are. You might be trying to influence public opinion a bit more. You might um, have kind of strong connections with government ministers and therefore you could actually have a real impact in shaping policy. Or it might just be uh, just kind of creating a narrative, really. 
so this is i'm sure there are many people that, that are thinking that this is going to be helpful to me because i wouldn't mind being in a think tank i've heard about think tanks i bet you're the first person they've come into contact with that has got any any information at all about what think tank work actually involves it's a first for me and i'm oh. old <laughs> so let's go back to what life was like when you were 14 tell us about what your life was like what were you, what were you doing what were your interests what sort of school did you go to just yeah. tell us about that that those distant memories of being 14 <laughs> yeah distant now yeah <laughs> So um, the vast majority of my time would have been spent playing football, if I'm honest with you. We'd have been out in the playground playing football, we'd have been out in the park playing football after school, playing football on the weekends or watching football. Football was a big part of my life, really. It still is to an extent. I can't, um, I can't ignore that. I've got to chip in. Who were your big footballing heroes? Presumably uh, Arsenal players. So who was your hero? There's really just, just one man, Thierry Henry, and uh, still is to this day. <laughs> Yeah, he could play a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you um, are, you're playing football. Yeah, go on, keep going. Yeah, playing football, spending more time doing that, kind of really invested in that. Um, obviously, when I was a bit, a bit younger than that, the dream was to be a, a footballer, but that quickly subsides when you realise that everybody else is quite a decent bit better than you, really. <laughs> But yeah, no, aside from that, I was at Mosbourne Community Academy, which is a school in uh, Hackney. Uh, really good, actually. I can only speak highly of that place, uh, really. So it is quite a famous school because the the guy who went on to be the head of Ofsted was the, the principal there. Uh, was he principal when you were at the school? Yeah, so I, I was actually the first year of that school. So when I was in year seven, there were no other children other than people in year seven. Um, and I stayed there all the way through till the end of sixth form. And I believe that in my first or second year of university, uh, Sir Michael Wilshaw, who was the head teacher while I was there, um, then became head of Ofsted. But it served you well, the school, by the sound of things. Yeah, yeah, very, very well. I mean... Everything that, that we did in there had had a purpose and um, kind of, I guess we'll get onto it, but being a teacher, I think my style of teaching did kind of come from there quite a lot, really. The things that were in place, the structures in place, the, the, the rules, procedures, just the things that they instilled in us really was, you know, I can speak really highly of it. So there you are, you're at school, you're playing a lot of football. What did you dream of being? What did you think your life might hold for you in your, in your wildest expectations? Yeah, so <laughs> strange enough, back then, um, once I realised that I wasn't going to be a footballer, I really wanted to be a chef. Um, that's not really kind of a usual um, a dream or ambition, really, but I just, I really enjoyed doing food technology at school. Um, I thought it was incredibly fun and, yeah, kind of, I think yeah, later when I attended my work experience at a um, at a restaurant, and that's where I decided that the dream wasn't for me anymore. Really. <laughs> so, what put you off? It was. I mean, I had a relatively kind of romantic vision of it, really, kind of cooking with your friends and kind of having fun and enjoying it, and then going into that environment where it is high pressure a lot of the time and very long hours and it's actually quite stressful at times really i just didn't didn't like it so that so that dream evaporated i'm, I'm interested to know where the dream came from though I mean, did you have a family background in in uh, catering 
No, no, not at all. Um, I, I think for me it was um, just doing food tech at school. We had really good facilities at Mosbourne and um, it was just, I think, like to this day, really, I've still got, I still enjoy cooking quite a lot. I enjoy the whole process. And I, I think it's just developed from there, just on a Wednesday afternoon in food tech, just yeah, having fun. So school gave you the dream. It, that's 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 a good one. And I, yeah, I'm just interested in finding a bit more about your family. Um, tell me something about what family life was like. Yeah, so, I mean, that's an important point, really. So I I lived at home with my mum, and at that point, uh, my sister would have been at university. So, yeah, it was just my mum and I at home. Um, my mum comes from, like, a... Like a strong African background, she was born in Nigeria and came over when she was a lot younger. Um, so that there's that kind of traditional you know, discipline, if you like, that was involved in my upbringing. Um, but nonetheless, just my mom always kind of instilled a level of kind of ambitiousness and hard working in us. Really, we always had to to be doing something to to promote ourselves. And I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for that. Was it was we brought up in in any sort of uh, wealth? What, what, what sort of the economic situation? Yeah, not not particularly. So my mum actually, when she when she came over, she um, she was a cleaner uh, for for a while when my brother was young before I was born, um, and then she was a nurse for a while, then became a midwife, and then. By the time I was 14, she was lecturing midwifery at university. So she went through quite a transition, really. So I guess by the time I was a little bit older, things, there was more money available. We were never really wealthy and I never really experienced us being particularly poor either. Yeah. But yeah. Did you go on holidays? Yeah, we did. Um, a lot of the time to Nigeria. I think I've been three times to Nigeria. I remember going to Houston to visit some family when I was about, I don't know, 10 years old, something along those lines. But I think that's actually, I think that's all about it, yeah. Yeah. And uh, what sort of music did you listen to? <laughs> it's changed a lot over my over my life. But um, when I was younger, it was a lot of, a lot of rap music, um, a lot of grime back then anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, still some of it to an extent now but um it's, it's more it's more broad now but I'm, I'm picking up that it was it was a happy childhood i would say so yeah i mean i had a good relationship with my with my mum i i had really good friends actually that i'm still in touch with today and yeah there isn't anything that i really complain about it's quite a happy childhood yeah yeah and, and arsenal were pretty successful as well so which i bet oh, that influenced you those were, those were the good times yeah <laughs> so what's the dream of becoming a clearly you'd hoped to be a footballer and then you moved on to the idea of becoming a chef and that evaporated what did you think life would hold for you then yeah that's that's a good question because that, that between realizing that i didn't want to be a chef and actually kind of later on in university I, I didn't know that much I kind of I personally just wanted to be successful in some way shape or form really and at that age at like 15 16 I, I didn't really have an idea of, of, of how that would kind of come about if you like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the notion of success was your motivation yeah way. definitely I, I would say so yeah I, I knew that I 
wanted to be in a position where I was able to live comfortably, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so here you are now working for a think tank, living in a nice part of London. Life's kind of worked out. Take us on the journey. How did you get from 14-year-old David to the David of 2021? Yeah, <laughs> interesting, actually. Yeah, so abandoned the idea of becoming a chef, uh, probably quite wisely. <laughs> um, and then I think I didn't really think about it at all until I was in sixth form. Um, so I studied maths, economics um, and philosophy. I did physics at AS level with that. It just went horribly wrong. Um, but at that point, I was at sixth form anyway, especially studying um, economics and studying philosophy. I was starting to become a bit more politically aware. It helped that we had the, um, the uh, 2010 election as well when I was in sixth form as well. So that was quite formative, I would say, really. Um, but yeah, during those two years of sixth form, I just became more politically aware. I was reading more books around economics, around politics, around philosophy. And that was just becoming kind of stronger and stronger in me. And actually at that point, I would say that I, I was looking more towards philosophy than anything else at that point. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the thought process around it. Um, and I enjoyed where that could potentially take me in terms of university anyway, but that kind of doesn't really get us to here. Um, the thing that kind of does mostly is that I had applied to do a whole range of subjects, kind of combining economics, philosophy and politics at university. Um, and gotten offers from a few places with those combinations, but the university I ended up going to, the University of Sheffield, only offered me um, the opportunity to study straight economics. And I would prefer it to go there than any of the other places that I applied for. So I took it up and ended up doing three years in economics. Um, I wouldn't say I loved it. I, I think that there were a lot of problems with the way that economics was taught. And I don't think it was necessarily my kind of my calling, my subject anyway, really. So I don't think that went as well as it could have done. I didn't make the most of it. As, as, what about university like? University life was was great. I, I I loved being in university. Probably enjoyed it a little bit too much, maybe, um, which is a lesson to be learned. But nonetheless, I think that I, I realised at university while I was studying economics that I didn't actually enjoy the subject of economics as much. So I started engaging with more political things. Really, I was assistant press officer for the Sheffield Green Party. I was doing a bit of campaigning around that sort of stuff. Um, I ran to be a um, an officer at the student union so my life outside the academic parts of university were more related to politics so that's kind of what influenced me to do my master's in politics which then was a strong reason for me kind of becoming a teacher and teaching politics and then kind of circling back to economics from there which is, this is strange. So where, whereabouts did you do your master's was that that Sheffield as well? Yeah so I did it at um, Sheffield immediately after my degree um the main reason was that i i could have kind of put more into my economics degree and i also didn't really enjoy the academic side of it as much as i could have done and i kind of just wanted to have that experience of learning something that i actually really enjoyed learning so yeah so there you are you're all qualified you've got a master's you've got a, a ba I'm, I'm guessing and then you're moving on in life what was the next stage yeah, so the next stage, um, after the Masters, I actually wanted to um, 
to stay in Sheffield. I, I love Sheffield as a city. I'd highly recommend it to anybody. <laughs> um, but I knew that it could potentially be tricky getting into the field that I wanted to get into there. I might have to kind of be the kind of more party political than rather being around politics more generally, if that makes sense. Um, and pretty much as soon as I finished writing my master's dissertation, the opportunity arose to work at the school that I eventually became a teacher in. Um, so I basically had to make the decision of whether to stay in Sheffield or whether to, to move back down to London, go and live with mum and then actually have a secure job that would, um, act like that I could have immediately after university, if that made sense, rather than having yeah. that gap between. Well, how did this opportunity crop up? Yeah, interesting one. Um, so the school that I ended up working at, the head teacher of that school was my former A-level maths teacher if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I was made aware of a position that would be available and encouraged to apply for it, um, applied for it, and then, and then yeah, started working there. So the alumni of Mossbourne was such that they kept in touch with you and as opportunities arose, um, gave, gave you a shout. Essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good. So, so you arrived at uh, this, this other school in uh, what part? What, was that in London as well? Yeah. Yeah, this is in London. This is in um, in Peckham. Um, and, and what sort of environment was the schooling? Was it sim similar to the one you were brought up in, or yeah? So I, I would say it was very, very similar to the environment that I was brought up in. Um, demographics were very similar, so I would say that it was a very similar place, but just maybe five or ten years behind in terms of this this development. Um, so. I mean, all the kids that I was working with at that school, you could recognise them because I'd, I'd been in school with them, if you like, for what, maybe seven or eight years beforehand. Right. Um, so it was, it was quite an easy enough transition. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what? how long did you stay at the school for? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I took that role because it was kind of a support role. I didn't actually want to end up in teaching. I was planning on doing that for a year, maybe two years, and then actually pursuing my own my own career path um but going to the school um discussions with members of staff there um kind of encouraged me to do a pgce um i went elsewhere to the pgce um and had placements at a couple of other schools but then came back to the school after i finished it and um actually started teaching maths there for a year before starting the politics department there and teaching economics as well so, so you stayed at the school and you ended up involved in economics. So, yeah, going back to your original degree, but you're not there anymore. No, now you're doing something else. So tell us a little bit about your thought processes that led to you moving away from education and into the think tank. Yeah, that's a good question, actually, because I... I knew that working at that school, and I knew that being a teacher in particular, um, especially teaching politics and teaching economics, I knew that that would provide me with so many skills and such a vast array of experience that I could use to go into anything else that I wanted to go to, to be honest with you. I had firm ambitions of working for a think tank or working in research or something along those lines. Um, but it was important for me to kind of maintain that relationship with politics and partly maintain that relationship with economics as well. So that yeah. when I did decide it was time to move on, I'd, I'd been engaging with that that whole time. And so 
was it a case of you applying for a job at the think tank or did people coax you out into it? <laughs> yeah, a little, a little bit of both. So as my time, during my time teaching economics, um, we'd kind of been in contact with the think tank that I now am with because they do a lot of kind of provisions for, for economic students. They put on a lot of events and stuff like that. Um, I'd even kind of helped out with like a few articles here and there and just a bit of work ad hoc so yeah when the position became available um I was made aware of it again um encouraged to apply for it again and yeah went through the application process and I think my familiarity with the organization is what actually kind of yeah. was the deciding factor really and and so so you've got to for the minute if you have a look at your life you're pleased about the position you, you've got to when you consider where you were at 14. Life's gone pretty well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't complain about it at all. I think that, yeah, I think there is definitely still room in the future. And, and, and oh, there are definitely... of course, it's never, it's never done, is it? So <laughs> have you faced any obstacles? Talk about one obstacle that perhaps you've faced that's, that you've had to circumnavigate. Um, I think... For me, one of the things, and I've kind of briefly touched upon them already, I think one was that transition from Sheffield to, to London. I'm, I'm very kind of strong-willed and I, I like to do what I want to do, if you see what I mean. And moving from Sheffield, where I had an idea of how I wanted things to go, to kind of taking a step elsewhere in order for it to lead somewhere else if you like that was quite challenging for me because I, I, I wanted to do things the way that I wanted to do them and especially kind of part of it was actually becoming a teacher as well but kind of making that that step in order for it to get somewhere else was quite 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 difficult for me to do but nonetheless this is very very exciting for me because I'm hearing a Londoner saying that the challenge was to move away from the north <laughs> Music to my ears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 100% it was. I, I, I wouldn't even mention my words with that. I, special, Sheffield has a, a very special place in, in my heart, really. Yeah. yeah, so perhaps one day you'll return? I wouldn't rule it out. I think my partner will have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that, was, that, that was an obstacle. Um, and I suppose that ties in with a big decision that you've had to make in life. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's that that was probably a, a better example of, of a big decision that I've had to make. That move to London. If in, if we're looking at an, a, an obstacle, um, a, a, probably a better example of an obstacle might be um, uh, just how things went with economics when I was at university, and and I think that yeah, partly because. I didn't enjoy the subject as much as I could have done, uh, partly because I didn't apply myself in the way that I probably should have done as well. I think moving from that second year to the third year, well, second year just which wasn't very good at all. And that was a big wake up call really. And ultimately I needed to improve a lot. And I did improve in the third year, but nonetheless it meant that I ended up with the classification. I got a two-two at the end, which I think I could have done better with really. Yeah. That in its 
itself that provided a bit of an obstacle um in terms of your kind of traditional grad jobs that people might go for um basically it was a lot less feasible for me to to, to try and take that route and i think that that probably fed into the decision to do the masters as well actually yeah yeah, yeah. and when you look at your life now what do you love about your, your working life yeah i <laughs> i don't get me wrong i did enjoy parts of being a teacher but currently um the, the biggest thing for me now is the balance between between my, my my work life and my leisure life i think that being in the role that i am i mean i'm working from home today um i'm doing this in the break it it just means that there is so much more more choice of how i spend my time I've, i can still get everything i need to do done in a day but I can kind of manage my time a little bit better. I can drop my daughter off to school and pick her up in the afternoon. It just provides a level of freedom that I hadn't really experienced before, <laughs> if I'm honest, yeah. Um, aside from that, like I'm very much a kind of, I'm very happy to sit at a desk and work through a piece of work over time. I'm not too fussed about being outdoors or anything like that. I'm happy yeah. to just on with a piece of work and I can really just delve into some quite complex spreadsheets and pull stuff out that makes sense or, or, or reason something or whatever it is. I, I, I quite it enjoy is, it. It is, it is really interesting what makes people um, enjoy their work. Some people don't enjoy it at all. And you're saying that you enjoy pouring over spreadsheets and drawing out information. Um, and, and other people that I've spoken to certainly wouldn't enjoy that. Um, everybody's different. And that's what the beauty of this podcast is. Hopefully it's showing younger people that your journey can take you to all sorts of destinations. Everybody's got a different journey. When, you know, when you look back to the 14-year-old David obsessing over Arsenal and um, attending a, a, a Mossbourne Academy, what piece of advice would you give David, 14-year-old David? I, I think the thing, really, and I actually could have done with it myself, really. I think the one thing that I would say to anybody is, uh, and this probably sounds a little bit cliche to be fair, but you should really be striving to do something that you enjoy. And it doesn't matter whatever level you're at, whether it's at school, whether you're at university, whether it's in your work. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, it becomes a million times harder and you lose so much of the enjoyment from everything else around you, really. So I, I do think that's the one thing that, that I could have benefited from knowing, really. Yeah. David, thanks. Um, I'm sure at least one of our listeners and maybe dozens and hundreds of them are thinking, I wonder if I could do that as well. I wonder if I could work for a think tank. Um, <laughs> and that's what I did. You can is all about. David Dyke, thank you very much for your time. No problem at all. Thank you.